0: Khan listens to the show and if you don't know you will soon welcome to the good the bad and the hungry here on the voice of wrestling podcasting network my name is Tyler Fornes with me as always is Fred despite all my rage it's Big Bill and Brian Cage Moreland how are you sir
2: I'm doing all right you know if we're gonna book a rampage I think we should at least get a little you know something something thrown our way you mean so. collision yeah collision yeah the the we the, I mean we
0: booked one match on rampage technically I guess still, you know
2: I'll take just like a Let's just take one big bill.
0: <laughs> that that was very good, Fred. That was Thank very you. good. Let's <laughs> Speaking of, let's talk about All In. And All In is a, a very interesting spot. There's been a lot of discussion about it, how the build has been, if it's been good or bad. Because going into last night's Dynamites, and we record this Thursday mornings, there was one match officially announced. There were a couple matches already alluded to one of them being CM Punk mojo, one of them being Young Bucks FTR. But we didn't have anything concrete. Well, it hasn't mattered much for ticket sales because they have officially surpassed SummerSlam of 1992, and they are this close to surpassing 80,000 tickets distributed, according to WrestleTix. The setup is now for over 84,000. So kind of what they're doing is with most of the stadium already filled, they're just releasing like the upper deck sections. So then if they fill it up, then they just go and open a new one. And instead of just having a lot of people scattered throughout every available section, you can at least tarp off or put designs or something where you don't necessarily have those sections open. But based on the returns from after announcing a couple matches, they have seen a good spike because the last time we talked, Fred, the setup was for less than 80,000 people. So they've sold some tickets.
2: Yeah, they're, uh, they're moving them. Uh, and I mean, it's amazing that the show is still, uh, still growing in attendance. I mean, the numbers are so high at this point that, uh, it's hard to imagine them going higher, and yet they are. Uh, this really is going to be a special event, and uh, we finally, you know, I think there's a lot of fair criticism because, uh, you know, it's kind of silly that it took so long to confirm it was on pay-per-view rather than, I don't know, Max or, I don't know, being broadcast across the sky by a platoon of you know, satellites that have taken over the atmosphere and have doomed humanity while we watch Big Bill body slam someone, which is a superior way to go out, I think, than others. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's very impressive. It's They caught lightning in a bottle here, and uh, those are some crazy numbers that they have.
0: Very crazy numbers, but let's get specifically with this build, because I think Big we build. can start... Oh, very big build. We're going to get to that. Don't you worry. Uh, it's it's very interesting here. This past Wednesday on Dynamite, they made Young Bucks versus FTR3 official for all-in. They, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, they made it official. AR Fox and sort of Strickland versus Darby Allen and Sting! In a coffin match. That oh I missed the coffin match part yeah co- the
2: coffin match do you, do you okay my question is uh, do you do t- two coffins or you do do you do an extra large coffin so that they can you know
0: honestly you know guy. what I would do I would do three coffins and elimination style okay so if if you get thrown in a coffin you're out but it doesn't officially end the match. Cause like I, I remember one of the first tables match I ever watched was um, the Dudley boys versus Ric Flair and Batista from Royal rumble. Oh four. And one guy goes through a table. That's the end of the match. I, I feel like it should be
2: elimination style. And I think that could be a really cool. Additive. I think that works better for, for tables than for, uh, for caskets though. But that's just me. Anyways, kind of silly thing to get held up on. Yeah, it's,
0: it is a silly thing to get h- held up on. And the most interesting part of this build isn't even for the pay-per-view itself, which this sent up a lot of red flags for me, Fred. MJF and Adam Cole challenging for the ROH titles on Zero Hour... Against Aussie Open. Now that match hasn't been made 100% official yet, but yeah, I feel pretty comfortable saying that match is going to happen. You know what that tells me? Angle, 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 mm-hmm. angle to sell yeah. that show. And it, it, look, it's brilliant. It. I
2: mean, that's a, that, if they assuming they pull the trigger and do the right stuff. That's actually a really smart way to handle it. Yes.
0: I think it is a smart way to handle it. And I, I'm really excited to kind of see um, how this kind of plays out. It, I, I genuinely wonder if there is some business metrics that Tony Khan and Mookie going to have that they don't have to worry about, or like, sorry, these late pushes for mm-hmm. all these pay-per-views is worthwhile
2: I forget if I've heard that's either like their working theory that they have data for or if, like they've outright come they've come out and said that uh, either Tony Khan or like I don't know the Harrington does a lot of media but you know someone from AW has actually said that out loud um I do not remember it well enough but um yeah um. I, I think it's obvious that's like a major part of their strategy though. Now I think that uh, I really do think they suffered from the compressed schedule of this summer with blood and guts mm-hmm. being when it was and everything like that kind of backfired on them. Uh, but you know I think that they're it's also going to be okay at the same time. Um, I do think it would be preferable if they had done more of like doing a big build for the show for, like, the top matches other than Cole and MJF, which they've been building for a long time. But, like, you know, uh, it's presumed that we're going to get Punk and Samoa Joe. And uh, that feels very odd, actually, now, after the booking of the Owen tournament and everything. And, um, you know, Bucks and FTR, I mean, obviously they have a long history together uh, across companies and everything where that works. But, you know, it would have been nice if instead of you know starting it this past week they started it three weeks ago uh if they just at least started to like hinting at it in promos or something um instead of just kind of turning it on all of a sudden with the ftr challenge like if they had at least thrown in a a couple barbs or something and different promos they were doing up to that point would have been preferable i think but you know I, i don't think it's like a disaster uh I, I just, you know, I, I would personally like to have these builds start like two weeks sooner for most of the stuff. But it feels like this is the way for every AEW pay-per-view. And they didn't shift it for this massive show. And I I assume that the business metrics will be solid, you know, at a minimum. Yeah. I think they could actually, you know, I, I, my theory, my working theory is still that baby-facing MJF is going to do massive business. Um and I think that they could... I'm not going to say that they won't set a pay-per-view record, basically, is what I'm doing here. Uh, I don't know that I feel confident enough to predict that as their definite biggest pay-per-view buy rate. Or or buy number, I should say, not buy rate, because that's different. Uh, but I would not be shocked by it either. Yeah, it's... The
0: one thing that is going to be really curious is how this n- number ends up shaking up, because... They didn't start talking about this show. And this is a Tony Khan thing. And we can debate the merits of it until the end of the earth. Sure. Not promoting a future show when he
2: hasn't finished what he's already doing. It's almost New Japan-ish.
0: Yeah. It's like. It's uh, a little
2: different how he approaches it, but still.
0: For those who don't know, New Japan doesn't, like, promote matches, even though they're, like, known. Like, Tetsuya Naito wins the G1 He's going to the Tokyo Dome. They don't promote that match until they make it official. And they uh, make the card like 100%.
2: I personally prefer the the, kind of the old school ring of honor strategy of saying, you know, we're doing these two shows. And on the second show, the world champion is defending against either X or Y or the challenger is getting a title shot at whoever wins on the first night. I think that works better. Or
0: you can do like, Hey, they're going to face this person. And if this person has the title, it's going to be for the title. Yeah, that's an yeah, alternative, you yeah. Leave, you leave the ambiguity up. But I, I don't really care for that one that much because there's like, oh, you're going to like kind of promote a world title shot. Well, then the guy doesn't get the world title shot. It, it, it's a weird... weird yeah, that deal. one's a
2: little... Not my favorite, but it, it, it can work depending on how you spin it, you know, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it mm-hmm. absolutely can work. But if this show does a buy rate of the CM Punk all out in 2021. Hits my hedging. And yeah, it's it's going to be really difficult to argue, but there's always going to be that, that little devil on your shoulder that says, well, if they would have started doing this promotion earlier and started yeah. talking about it like the big deal it was with more gusto without even having to book a match, then maybe you could have done even better business. But... We don't have those insider metrics, so we can only go based off what we know. And it's – they got to know something. It, there, There's a reason why they're doing it this way.
2: Yeah. Um, I personally – like I, I think that they could have, you know, uh, had something away from BCC and the Elite announced, you know, before Blood and Guts, maybe not MGF Cole, since they were still doing some intrigue as to the world title and everything. Um, but you know, it's, I I don't know. I feel like we're kind of getting to the point of being a touch nitpicky about it, I guess. Uh, but I, I do, you know, this is a a case where like AB testing would be perfect, right? Where, you Mm -hmm. know, one pay-per-view, you do the strategy and then the next one you do the, the, you know, well-announced ahead of time strategy.
0: And I think that's what they did with the the pre-show where it used to just be matches, 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 and then they went to the WWE-style one match, and you basically had Renee Paquette and RJ City talking and promoting the show with video packages. And they did that for a couple pay-per-view cycles. Look, that shit ain't for me, but... Yeah,
2: I hope... I I will repeat what I said before, that if if that does work better, then capitalism has failed. (laughs) Just... I, I stand by that take.
0: <laughs> this this is somehow uh, Benito Mussolini's fault. I don't know <laughs> how yet. It, it is his fault. So uh, we're going to uh, leave it with we- that. Um, it, we'll we're going to have more about this show as things kind of progress moving forward, and we'll see how things end up going. Uh, let's get to some other news because we have a lot to talk about as uh, as we continue talking about where the state of his company right now. Um, Pack is hurt. Yes. Um, Announced on Rampage. Shivani said he'd be out a a while. And this was announced during the part, at the beginning of the parking lot brawl, which I thought was really important because the winners were going to take on the Lucha brothers. And we'll get to that match because there's, there's some interesting elements as we try to project moving forward, especially some frustration with AEW production. Um, But (laughs) yeah, he's hurt. Sucks that he's hurt for Wembley. Um, But we don't really know how he's hurt. I don't think. I don't think that part's been released. Just that he's out a while.
2: Yeah. Well, the the way Tony Shavani announced it on Rampage, it was like it was for a long while. Uh so not great. Um, no, I I hate to hear that because Pac rules, but maybe he'll come back sometime soon. I can only hope. Uh and he, and he literally just came back, which is yeah even more frustrating. That yeah, that's just as a viewer, like just being completely selfish. It's quite frustrating but I,
0: I i always feel bad when anybody gets injured but i feel worse for those who get injured right after they come back from injury like yeah. uh when daniel bryan at the end of his first wwe run like it, it's just man that just sucks yeah or, yeah, it's, or it's, yoshi it's Hashi cool. running to the ring and falling underneath it like just yeah yeah um okay so let's continue talking Kip Sabian and Dark Order have signed 3 years extensions. Um, an unconfirmed story Meltzer uh, mentions is that the Elite signed for 4. And we had kind of thought the Elite were going to had signed for 4. That was our conjecture for the sole fact that their first contracts were 4 years and it just okay, 4 more years. It makes sense and especially with the the EVP angle It's you're not just signing them to be wrestlers. You're signing them as also executives in the company, which as we found out with Matt Jackson talking about unions the other day, uh, it's a little more complicated. So look, I don't know. Kip Stabian does absolutely nothing for me. I don't understand how he does business, but I'll tell you he's at least credible enough where you can beat him like a drone.
2: Yeah. I I will give him credit in that. He is capable. He's solid. Um, I don't really want to see him much on TV just cause I don't think he's a really exciting or dynamic worker or anything, but he, you know, in that, uh, Hardee's trios match with Keith Lee, he did a capable job in there. Um, I would say he was not in the three best workers in the ring. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to rank him against the Hardys, who we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, yeah, I thought it was, he did okay. You know, that's kind of, he he did, you know, he, he sacrificed through the pandemic to be around, and I wouldn't be shocked if he's AEW for life off that. Um, You know, uh, good for him, you know. He was a good soldier, and he gets rewarded for it, and that's frankly how it should work, I think.
0: Yes, I agree, and... Being a good soldier is is important. Um
2: Melzer skill.
0: <laughs> yeah. Melzer talks injuries. In, I believe this is from The Last Observer. It was. Um Brian Danielson probably out until October, but there's a potential he can make grand slam. Jamie Hader's out until February. That one hurts. Mm-hmm. And on Thunder Rosa update, she will miss all in. And as we saw from the the four uh the women's four way match. Which they made a really big deal about on t- on television. <laughs> the
2: but the 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 storied history of the four way women's title match in AEW.
0: Just just say that, like, yeah, you have this storied four way. But at the end of the day, you know what's more important? Like, just say, you know what the the first women's match at All In was a four way, and we're just gonna do a four way. Don't give me this storied history stuff, making it sound like four-ways or this. It's like this pillar of AEW women's wrestling. It's not. Like, just say, hey, the first women's match at All In was a four-way, and we're going to do a four-way here. And, yeah, that's good enough for me. And that's good enough, and you're not blowing smoke up anyone's butt. You're just saying what's real. And it's obvious what the match is going to be based on the competitors. It's going to be Soraya. It's going to be Tony Storm. It's going to be Hikaru Shida. It's going to be Britt Baker. That this match has potential to be very good. Um, that Mercedes Martinez is mad as I, I have collision on in the background. At <laughs> dude, her shoulders got popped up, and they didn't call it like a shoot. Yeah, she's pissed.
2: Yeah, that was a weird finish and a weird match.
0: Yeah. Oh, Diamante! I forgot she's still in this company.
2: Yeah, that was kind of a cool return i guess since we'll talk about this now uh you know i'm not i i do think that the depth of aw in terms of like name value kind of outpaces their lack of depth and t- talent because both mercedes martinez and diamante are solid workers they're good um i'm not gonna say they're great but you know they can put on like three and a half star matches at a high you know uh, at the higher end you know maybe dip up to four if it's particularly great uh, so I think using them more as, you know, viable people in the division is beneficial to the company, especially with two major shows.
0: Yeah, I, I think the the two major shows really, really makes a difference. And yeah, this is it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But uh, let's get through the news because we have a lot to talk about, including in terms the first show, ever yeah. the first ever good, bad, hungry offer match. <laughs> and Le- wardlow did a panel at Terrificon. is is that the board game convention
2: uh i don't know uh that's some stuff i'm not aware of i, I you could have you, you could do a quiz next week with like these these con names and i would probably get less than half of them right if i were to ask to identify if they're real or fake yeah,
0: well, I asked because there was one a con in Indianapolis this past weekend that was a board game convention. Yeah. I had a, a friend of mine from high school who ended up going to that with her husband. So that, that's why I asked the question. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it looks fine. Um, yeah, so that is, that's the news. Not a whole lot. Now, Fred, we have a lot of directions that we can go with this show.
2: Oh, I have one more news nugget I just got right now, and I am sorry Ooh. for just finding this. Uh, from last week's Observer, apparently Sportico, the site we all know and love, and I've definitely heard of before. Um, they yeah, did they, a story- they cover
0: like they cover like the business end of sports, like ratings and that kind of stuff. I've I've consulted with them on a few pieces okay, over cool. the course of time. I haven't heard of them
2: before. That's just me. Um, They did a story saying that they talked with some people, uh, some bankers that said that if AW is put up for sale, they'd go for more than a million dollars. Or I'm sorry, a billion with a B. Misspoke there pretty badly uh, today. So
0: So that sounds about right, considering you have all the intellectual property. You got to figure the tape Mm -hmm. library of just uh, the... AEW ROH that Tony Khan has assembled that's probably in the realm of I don't know that's probably like at least 50 million dollars right there just for the tape library and then mm-hmm. you have all the all the ring equipment, all the sets and then you basically take what what you're worth right now and you and you and like your your total revenue and you you like a it's I think it's 1.5 times total revenue so yeah, I think over a billion dollars makes sense. I would guess if they were to actually sell, which I don't think they would, it would probably be for closer to two billion, considering what they're about to get for a television deal. And I think that yeah. would be a big part of the sale. Uh, but what did WWE go for? Like seven billion?
2: Something like that. I forget the exact number right now. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh, um,
0: Samoa Joe just squashed Serpenico in
2: literally 10 seconds. Yeah, it was like 25 or something. It was great. Um, no, it
0: was, it, it, they didn't even get to 20. He Serpenico ran at him, he kicked him, put him in the yeah. ch- coquina clutch, and that was it.
2: Yeah. Uh, one other thing is that uh, Buddy Matthew's shoulder actually was dislocated in that uh, ladder match with Andrade.
0: Oh, um, we thought it was. That, yeah. Like, we saw, Um, was it Doc Samson pull it in? Yep.
2: Yeah like yep um, it, it, he was able apparently to get it back in socket and I mean he works the trios match the next week so seems to be all right. Yeah
0: and that's objectively
2: good.
0: okay now let's Fred, talk about the shows. yes where do you want to go first? There's a lot to talk about here and it's a lot of fun stuff to talk about which is my favorite part.
2: Let's start. Let's talk about the one time in the past month that Rampage became mandatory viewing, which was for uh, that excellent. uh, I thought it was really great. The parking lot brawl between uh, Mox and Claudio and the best friends.
0: Okay. I have to start out here because this is where this company sets themselves apart from other companies. You have Mox and Claudio getting to the parking lot first. And what do they do? They're opening up every trunk to make sure Orange Cassidy's not hiding because he hid in the first parking lot brawl and jumped out of proud and powerful and it ended up being a turning point in the match. Yep. Knowing your history and it's one of those things that you know what as a casual viewer and we talk about casual fans it's kind of a um it's kind of a myth. It's kind of like it's it's a monolith like it just they, they exist but they really don't.
2: The and way that they're using conversation is as a straw man to try to do, you know, make the company you don't like look bad. Essentially, yes, I think it's how it's, a lot of the time it's used. But I'll say this: that was great
0: for those it who was know a, it was, was a phenomenal well too. Watch. For those who didn't, yeah, they explained it well. Great stuff. And then you had the plunder king himself, Chuck Taylor, and Tremperetta. Look. These guys busted their ass. And one of my favorite parts of the – there are two favorite parts of the match. One, Wheeler Yuta pops out of the Suburban like Orange Cassidy did in the first one. So not only did they look to make sure Orange Cassidy wasn't doing it, then they did it themselves. Plus, we have to talk about Sue. I thought yeah. the inclusion of Sue was great. And she's just an NPC – for those who don't do like uh, a lot of video and board games, it's a non-played character. It's just there. It exists. It's it's like like those people you walk up to in Pokemon, and then they just tell you things about the game. Yeah, but she's Trent's mom, Trent's little goober, and she pulls up in her van. Claudio tells her to get out, and he rips the door off the hinges. Like, okay, yeah. like we've seen Sue. She's been used on the show before. Some people hated it, and I kind of understand it, but I think it's it's just a nice little simple touch. You don't like
2: it doesn't hurt, I don't think.
0: It's cohesive, it fits with Beretta's character. And if you think it sucks with Beretta's character, that's fine. That's a different story. Mm-hmm. But it works. And to me, I think that's what's important. It works, it was fun, and they utilized it. Well, within the context of what this was, and and she, I think if I remember correctly, she drove up Orange Cassidy, which there's That's your correct, yeah. there's your Orange Cassidy bit because yeah, she's done that before. So I liked that. I gave this match four and a half. Like, this this was some of the most fun I've had watching pro wrestling in a long time. I've been feeling some burnout lately. We were talking yeah. about that in the pre-show. This was great. They beat the living crap out of each other. And-
3: they did.
2: It was it was brutal. Um, I, you could argue that maybe, you know, especially if they're heading towards like some kind of match involving Moxley and Orange Cassidy and opposite sides, that maybe they should have had OC look a little better coming out of this just to help set that up better. But, you know, I mean, you could also just have them be fired up and want to get revenge and everything. Um,
0: I, I don't think that matters. I mean, look at the Blackpool Combat Club. How many times they beat the crap out of the elite? Like, I think there's merit to what you're saying. I also don't think it matters at all.
2: Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it's a big deal. At least, Uh, you know, maybe just personal preference there. Um, But also, you know, you can, you know, you can argue the other way. I love this match, though. I thought it was great. Uh, I thought it was the best AEW match of the week. I went four and a half on it. And, um, I thought it was, uh, honestly, the only reason to watch rampage this week, um, outside of, uh, uh, the, the big bill and, uh, Brian cage promo was good. Uh, we're dangerously close to just becoming marks at this point, but I liked it a lot. So yeah, I have no regrets I, on saying that. <laughs> no, let,
0: let's talk about, l- let's transition over to, um, Brian cage and big bill. Yes, Listen, th- This was the best match of the week. You, you can talk about Osprey Okada. You can talk about Tanahashi Naito. It was Big Bill, Brian Cage versus FTR. This is the Good, Bad, and Hungry offer match. Yes. They, Tony Khan has listened to us. They, they gave Big Bill and Brian Cage a title shot. They're working cohesively. They have a potential superstar in Big Bill, and we've talked about it here before. And now Fred, you are finally on board.
2: Well, you know, I wouldn't say that I wasn't on board before, but this was like the the thing that struck me the most as I was watching this match was that this is like, I, I, you know, maybe he'll get better, but this is like peak big bill. Like this is the idealized version of him. I think in terms of entering performance, he just looks Mm -hmm. super confident. He is a hundred percent on board with the character he's doing He's working great. He sells great for a big guy. Um, he's just awesome. Like he really is. Uh, I am. I, I think he's been amazing, and uh, I know that he he's been improving ever since that impact rank run that really restarted his career. Uh, but you know, that's the only reason I'm hesitating on thinking about him as like the most improved award winner because uh, he rolls. Uh, this tag team has been a rele- revelation. Uh, with Brian Cage. Um, I think Brian Cage has been helped out by it a lot. I think it's given them some nice direction. And at this point, why not just put him in the, you know, the embassy, you know, uh, the Mogul embassy, you know, and you can bring over Lee Moriarty too. It's a heel group. They can always use, you know, lack, young lackey like Lee. And But yeah, I mean, Bill was awesome in this match, and uh, he just looked extremely at ease in the ring, and that's always cool to see.
0: It was great. Yeah. Like, And Brian Cage is obviously doing 80s surfer sting, like kind of cosplay that the yeah. similar paint. And then he's got cage written yeah, on his tights with like a scorpion. And then he's got the, yeah. the Wolverine slash on the other side of the, tr- the pants.
2: Your and pre-show comparison of him to power warrior was perfect. I thought. Yes.
0: I, I, it just reminds me so much of power warrior new Japan. And I I'll say this and I've said it here before. Big Bill needs to be utilized like Big Show was for Paul Heyman in, like, 2004 SmackDown. Final boss. Be that guy. And, like, he... I, I think you can credit a lot of John Cena's success to that Big Show feud where he ended up winning the title at WrestleMania 20, the U.S. title. And that really got him through the next year and then he won the WWE title from JBL and he was off to the races. I think having a guy like Big Bill in that spot especially with Big Bill's history like he he was not a good wrestler in WWE and then Impact he really he really started to figure it out and he's had some uh, some battles with demons but at the end of the day he's improved. He's figured out how to work better. And he's figured out how to work like a big man, which is not easy to do working like a big man in a small man's game. Now, like we're not talking Kevin Nash and Scott Hall are the norm. We're like, the norm is Kenny Omega, 220 pounds that like, if you put Eddie Guerrero into today's professional wrestling, he would fit in perfectly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the average size of the worker has definitely uh decreased since the eighties uh some of that is because people aren't like made up of thirty percent steroids which is good for their health um and but you know there's obviously guys using stuff and you know there's that's a whole discussion I should have another day uh because you know there's people that we're talking about in this match that I wonder about um but you know it's 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 big bill is the right size to look like a monster in this company uh, and he's able to work with people and i thought he worked really well with fdr in this match and um i don't know i just thought this was awesome all around uh, just a really good time i went four and a quarter on it i do believe and yeah i went uh, four and a
0: half this was yeah this was great they really need to be a full time tag team, or as you mentioned, them joining the Mogul Embassy, and then you put Lee Moriarty in there, and then you have your trio.
2: Well, uh, you already got the Gates of Agony, but yeah, I mean, you could just, I mean, go full Freebird rules, you know? Yeah,
0: like this this team needs to be a permanent fixture in all elite wrestling. It really yeah. does, and I think we were proven right again, as we usually are, Fred. This team rules. It yeah. is. Fan
2: it's a lot of fun. Um, also, fun in this match. And, and I know we're praising them in a match they just had with uh, FTR, which is kind of like, you know, that's easy mode. I could uh, have but a star star
0: had a match with FTR.
2: Yeah. But they've had other good matches, you know, involving lesser workers. So let's not, you know, pretend that they aren't capable at a minimum. Uh, but another fun thing in this match that made me laugh was um, Cash Wheeler's mother. No selling his getting his ass kicked by Big Bill right in front of her, and then later after the match, um, Cash comes over to hug her. She doesn't want to because he's sweaty as hell, and so he just rubs his head on her. Fantastic sun trolling and fantastic bomb not working with kayfabe. Uh, good, just it, you know, funny stuff around.
0: Yeah, it's it, it was just a perfect spot, and yes. I. I I've so I've got collision on right now and action Andretti Darius Martin and big shoddy Lee Johnson just walking in the ring. You have House of Black just staring at him, Brody King, tattoos and baby oil. Malachi Black, tattoos and baby oil. Buddy Matthews, clean as a sheet. Just yeah. a hilarious <laughs> dichotomy trio. Because yeah. that like Buddy just he doesn't seem to fit in, but he just does. It's
2: oh yeah, he does.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's just great stuff, and uh, and then you have uh, Little Miss Julia Hart, just the cute little vixen on the side. And it's like the same from cancer. ringside. <laughs> just it's it's awesome stuff. I love it, and like like Big Bill and Brian Cage need to be a permanent fixture. They do, yeah. Please, Tony Khan, make it happen for me, dude. Just do it for me. It, you don't need to do it for anybody else. Do it for me.
3: by going to arena club.com slash VOW net. Again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slap pack, $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net. Arena club.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all Three and one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. The Eufy video lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy video lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry. No more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have .3 second. .3 second. Fingerprint Where I'm do you want to go
0: here, Fred?
2: Uh, let's talk about a uh, collision some more. You know that we have that excellent, uh, excellent match, and then FTR doing the promo to set up the Bucks match. I think we should. Uh, we've already kind of talked about the build to uh, all in. So mm-hmm. uh, I do want to put over the shtick with the cardboard cutout, Jay White. Oh, that's so good! It's great. Um, I think that they're speaking of acts that are at ease with what they are and like are 100 on board and confident that's bullet club gold right now in particular i think they're helping the guns out too i still don't know what to make of the guns as prospects like i know that they are natural heels and everything but uh you know i, I don't know that i've always been underwhelmed by them as workers and uh, you know, so because of that, I'm a little iffy on their future, but they definitely feel like they fit in well with these guys, and maybe they're going to learn how to better utilize their uh promoing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: it's I'm
0: I don't know what to make a bullet club gold. I will say, I bought a bullet club gold t shirt and I love it, <laughs> but. I, I don't know what to make of them. Like what, what are we doing? What is,
2: what's what the are we nodding to? Yeah. I yeah. think that's a good question with him. Cause Jay White is too talented to just be like in a mid card tag team. Yes. And he's absolutely kind of, too
0: talented.
2: It kind of feels like that's where he slotted. And the guy is good enough where he should be like a, Like, you know, I have no problem with them teaming sometimes with Juice Robinson. I think that's a great team and very entertaining and everything. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it should, the structure should be Jay White is the main eventer. Juice Robinson is the capable mid-carder. And the guns are kind of in that lackey slot. You know, maybe they're a little more competent than outright, like, Stooges or something. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, you know, like, Jay White should be, if not in the immediate, like, main event mix. Like, you know, like, upper mid-card, you know position you know like the you know at least the top five heel in the company and it doesn't feel like he's that right now yeah
0: I understand and this is one of those hindrances with Tony Khan's booking on a long term level if he doesn't have anything for you he just doesn't book you and we've seen it with Miro we've seen it with Pac
2: Lance Archer
0: yeah maybe just don't book him because it doesn't feel like he has anything planned for him. And to me, I think that's the most frustrating part. You got this coup mm-hmm. and in getting Jay White from New Japan. And you're not even using him.
2: Yeah, Jay White, who is 30. <laughs> um, he doesn't even turn 31 until later this year. I mean, it, it's it's wild. Yeah, you know, I I know that we've talked about it some, and I know that Joe Lance at some point on one of his shows had a fantastic rant about it. But you bring this guy in who is this young superstar from Japan, like a legit main eventer who's beaten Okada, who is positioned as, if not like outright on the level of Okada, because, you know, he's he's basically their uh, top babyface and like kind of at another echelon. Mm -hmm. He's positioned like a. The next step down, like a, you know, instead of an A-plus player or S-tier, whichever you refer, he's an A-tier guy, which is a great spot Mm -hmm. to be in. And then he comes over to um, to AEW and he's positioned as like B-tier at best, you know, and you could really argue he's been more of a C-tier guy. And his most notable work has been putting over CM Punk, which, hey, CM Punk is an absolute main eventer, I get it. Um, but it was like a short feud, like lasted three weeks. And, um, I don't know, man, it's, it's kind of weird and I don't get it. I don't know like how you bring this guy in and don't at least sell it. Like it's the biggest signing in the world.
0: Yeah, it it's is. It's, it's, it's always going to be weird to me. It, it was a huge deal because he was one of the biggest free agents and we knew that, uh, WWE threw some money at him. And mm-hmm. as they freaking should, it's Jay White. Jay White is a talented individual. He's one of the best talkers in the business, as you kind of alluded to. And his best fit is arguably on American television wrestling. So now you have him on American television wrestling. And you're using him like this? I, I genuinely just don't understand what the idea is. And you know what? the one thing Tony Khan has always done is he has us in a position where we need to trust the vision and we need to see it out. There have been times where he's freaking wrong, but a lot of times he's right. Like, well, though they should have done this or they should have done that. And you know what? He times things really well, more often than not. And we talked about it and we'll end up having this conversation a little bit. Like Jack Perry was that. Did he turn on hook too quickly?
2: That's, you know, I I don't think that he did. Um, you know, you could definitely argue that they could have stretched that out some more. But I think that it's going to end up with Hook versus Perry on one of the two pay-per-views coming up. Uh, maybe not necessarily Wembley, but the all out. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, there You know, we've talked about it for a while. I do think that Tony Khan is one of the best bookers going today. Uh, But at the same time, he has some weird flaws, and it's kind of frustrating. And this is a good example of that.
0: Yeah, I, I think that is a really good example. And we'll kind of see how, like, moving forward, things end up working here. But I'm very disappointed so far with what this is. And we'll see. I, I think that's really the best way to phrase it. We'll see. Uh, yeah. Let I alluded to it earlier with Jack Perry. Let's talk about Jack Perry and this whole ECW thing. Okay. I don't know who the end game is, but I'll say this. They used Rob Van Dam perfectly. They did. They brought They had a reason to bring him in, FTW title, and they had a a brief like, story where it's like, oh, I've retired titles before. Okay, great. I'm going to retire this one. Perfect. You have the basis of a, a simple pro wrestling story. And then they went out and had a borderline four-star match. They worked Whoa. incredibly hard.
2: Whoa. They okay. Did... Woo.
0: Okay. Li- listen.
2: Woo. Feeling yourself, buddy, with that. Whoa. Whoa.
0: I, I didn't. I'm not giving okay. it four stars. Okay, like th- a borderline think, four star. Like I think three and three quarters isn't unfair here, and the one of the reasons I'm giving it three and three quarters Ooh. straight up, the, the work is not worth three and three quarters. But you know what it is worth like the storyline in the tone of the match, the hard work. Like it wasn't crisp. It was ugly. It was. It felt like ECW a little bit because you had the weapon spots and you had the way they kind of built everything up. I thought it was just, for what it was, it was perfect. And you could probably do it better, but look, this was exactly what it should have been. And I loved it.
2: Okay, I mean, it's look, you know, everyone's ratings is their own. I, I just think that, you know, three and three quarters is spicy on this. I thought it was, you know, I mean, it was fun. Don't get me wrong, but it also, like, I don't know when it comes to star rating matches, you know, that's not something that I would even remotely have close to anything that positive. I went two and three quarters on it. I thought that it was, you know, with two is my benchmark for average. And I thought it was a pretty well above average match, you know, uh, enjoyable, but you know, sloppy. And, uh, Rob Van Dam is what he is at this point, which is, wow. I can't believe Rob Van Dam can still do that stuff at this age. Um, And, uh, you know, I think
0: what's really important here, Fred, maybe the difference between how I view it and how you view it. It, it wasn't a strategic, like, oh, we're going to tell this really good pro wrestling story. It's hey, Jack Perry. You're a dick. You don't deserve this title. So I'm going to win it from you and then I'm going to retire it. And we're going to do it FTW rules, which is basically ECW. And they had that kind of match. And I thought it was good. Yeah. Now, am I ever going to rewatch it? No. But it was just a good, solid match that got the story across for what it needed to be. And I yeah, thought that, I, that's I thought it was I enjoyable. It rated so highly. Yeah. And that's that's the really tough thing with star ratings because this three and three quarters is going to be a lot different than like a three and three quarter lucha match that you see in CMLL. It's gonna be a lot different than sure. oh a title match that gets three and three quarters. But I thought this was a very good
2: match. Okay, that's fair.
0: Like I'm very curious to see where this goes from here. I doubt it. But do we get Taz at all?
2: I can't imagine. Now what i i can't imagine Taz wrestling a match it just seems like that's not going to happen he is not physically capable of that uh now if that's incorrect you know obviously it'd be awesome to have taz come out um what i think will happen is uh we'll have you know whenever they do do the blow off here uh they'll have taz accompany hook to the ring and uh maybe hook will have the towel you know full blown taz entrance who knows Uh, Or maybe they'll just insist on having Hook be his own guy, which is also good and arguably better. Um, But, you know, I could see him, like, you know, doing something to play a key role in the finish and helping his son win in a babyface way, and that would work.
0: It just feels like Taz is going to be involved somehow because – They've utilized him, Fred, throughout the context of what this story has been. When Hook got turned on, he basically stormed off from of commentary desk, and it felt like he was going to leave commentary anyways mm-hmm. because Tony Schiavone came in. But they built it so well, and how he's called these matches and how he's stayed relatively professional, but he's still absolutely livid about his son Hook getting screwed. It gives me... I don't know if he's going to wrestle in an actual match, and I probably agree with you. He won't. I think there's more meat on the bone with Taz because this is Taz's belt. He created the Fuck the World title, and I, I feel like you can do more, but I don't know how to get there without doing stupid ECW nostalgia for the nine millionth time. So far, the ECW stuff has been
2: fine, acceptable. Mm-hmm and good except for the yeah. jerry lynn promo off
0: <laughs> whatever i can live with the jerry lynn promo
2: okay but it, I'm, it, I'm just so saying it wasn't good i'm not saying it was a disaster but it wasn't good that's my take
0: the the concept was fine and i'm getting I, my shit test, in here all right <laughs> yeah you're getting your shit in and it sucks fred uh, how dare you I, the, the jerry lynn promo was fine like the, the construct the concept
2: the yeah fact it, it set, set did, up something and fun. that was fun
0: yeah and will it will it do anything more? Meh, I don't know. But oh my God, Christian Cage has a little girl with him in a promo.
2: Okay, you haven't kid? got to wa- that is his daughter. You haven't got to watch this yet, which is unfortunate. I will. This is one of the highlights from Collision, which was definitely the better show this week. Um, uh, he has his daughter there. Um, he says that he, as the TMT champion, he's a role model to children everywhere. And then Christian's daughter asks for the belt. So and Christian tells her, No, you didn't win the belt, so you can't have it. Go find your mother. And then immediately after his daughter walks off, he shouts for security and tells them to eject her because she's not credentialed. Christian Cage rules. He is fantastic, just one of the all-time best on the mic, and uh, like, I I hate how he's, you know, he's been kind of underutilized for the vast majority of his career, and I really do wish that there, you know, I wonder what, like, a sliding door situation where there's a viable promotion where he didn't work for a guy that uh, thought he should have a dot over his face for basically the first 15 years of his career. Um... That, That's that one of the greatest things segment. I've ever seen. It was a fantastic segment. He's great. <laughs> Did you win
0: this belt? No, go find your mother. Yes.
2: Bitch, you didn't win it either. That's
0: exactly. <laughs> Christian is he's one great. of the best things about um, television. Like, uh, he's, he's... Oh, my gosh. I. Uh, and Jay White's coming out and they have the cardboard cutout of Jay White. What
2: <laughs> the bits are good. The the bits are scientifically good. <laughs> um I want to talk about Dynamite as a whole. Um I thought this was a very underwhelming show in general. There were you know, I thought the, the work on the matches was disappointing. Um and uh, I thought that really let the show down as a whole. Uh, you know, I can't really bury the RVD match. Like, that's about as good as that's going to be. We already have that discussion. Uh, the Hardys, man. The Hardys are donezo. Like, I just can't imagine them getting a major push. But, they're, you know, Matt Hardy talked about how right before Jeff Hardy's DUI, you know, the plan was for them to win the World Tag Team Championships. And that was obviously what the booking was leading to. Uh, but they just cannot move. <laughs> like, it's... It's bad, like Matt Hardy, you know, can't walk well, and Jeff Hardy just, he's doing shoot. Uh, pity on Kip Sabian, you know. I, we kind of buried him early on for, you know, not being a great worker and all that, but pity on him for taking, a sh- like, that dreadful shoot swanton, the most dangerous move in wrestling, from Jeff Hardy, where it's just like 200 pounds of potatoes falling you from the sky. It looks like it sucks so much, and he doesn't do anything to mitigate the hit, and uh, it's awful. Um, so, credit to Kipsabian for not shattering into a zillion pieces. But yeah, I thought this this Hardy's Young Bucks match was not good. Or well, okay, look, it wasn't below average. It was. It could have been worse. I've seen worse. Um, I went two and three quarters on it. Uh, I thought it was, you know, like above average. But in terms of a, a Young Bucks straight tag match that gets about 15 minutes on TV, that's a failure, you know. Uh, it's saying something when Jeff Hardy is probably a better worker than you at this stage in his I'm sorry, Jeff Jarrett is a better worker than you at this stage in your career versus the Hardys. Um. Yeah.
0: It- it's. I'm trying to think of a good way to say this. Honestly, I thought the match was somewhat inoffensive.
2: Yeah, it was structured um, well. Obviously. That that was its saving grace. There was no massive botches yeah. or anything. But it wasn't the, good.
0: It wasn't good, but it wasn't bad. It was. Yeah. It was fine. I think that's the best way to put it. It was fine. There was nothing really wrong with it. It kind of just existed, and I think that's important here. It it existed, and that's like that's what you're going to get out of the Hardys. They're they're not yeah. good. I gave this a gentleman's three. It was. It was fine. They they didn't blow anything. You got a couple cool Hardy spots. You got that Swanton in the corner that felt like it could be the finish and it wasn't. Like the whole thing was. That's probably the best you're getting from this.
2: Yeah, team at this, this iteration of the Hardys. Yeah, uh, but it's you know I just don't know what to do with them as a booker. You know that's the great question because. I'm sure they're on big money deals. They're big nostalgia names and they just can't go. And like, especially in the modern AEW style, like it's just tough, man. It's difficult.
0: It is difficult. And it would have been great if we would have been able to get them four years ago. Cause Mm -hmm. then I think we could have really had a tag title run and it
2: makes sense and not be embarrassing. And, but now it's, I can't envision it. Like, it's just not the right thing at the right time. Wow. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about was the dichotomy between the uh, MJF and Adam Cole segments we had on right. this show. Um, so we it. had the pre-tape first, right? With them going to the the trampoline thing and uh, basically a repeat of the video game segment. Uh, in a lot of ways. Only... Instead, it gets you get MJF pelting kids with dodgeballs, you know, and obviously it worked it, but still, it's you know, I thought that part was kind of funny, but at the same time, compare that, you know, I thought a lot of it was cringe. Uh, Adam Cole acting like a literal child and, uh, you know, just kind of going back to the well for the same kind of thing. And then you have the live promo in front of the crowd, and that was a fantastic segment. These two, I think, obviously work a lot better when they're working with the crowd when they're working live when it's not with these you know very cringily silly uh you know setups to uh you know to lead into the segments or to do these pre tape segments i should say uh and it's just kind of ugh it, it sucks i don't like it um and I just wish that they would stick to these live promos that work so well, that really show off their skills and work with the crowd and everything. I think they're utter successes when they're over there live with microphones, and um, instead of doing these, what I think are bad pre-tapes. I will say
0: the absolute best part about that. Pre tape was MJF like f- chucking dodgeballs at the kids, and then the one kid's like, Aren- Aren't you guys too old to be here? And then he just tells her, like, Yeah, look, like this is it's it's a weird one because, like, it's it's kind of borderline child abuse, but it's also not because they're it's it's dodgeball but yeah i don't know if i'll put this on tv like i I understand why they're doing these because these are i think these are moving ratings and obviously um wwe is having success with these like Mm -hmm. but why why are we putting these on AEW television especially with mjf throwing like as funny as it was at parts whipping dodgeballs at children
2: yeah what are we doing here? You know, I mean, I can't disagree with you. Um, I do think there's some humor in it uh, because it's obviously so absurd and over the top that it's not like literally arguing that this is good behavior. Um, you know, I can't really, but, but I do think the segment overall was pretty cringe at the same time. So, you know, there, that's my, my, take on it I guess you know I feel like I I don't have a real good follow up on it it's just like this is what I think happened and uh, they keep doing it and I guess it works but I don't like it you know yeah
0: It it is what it is and let's transition from the shitty pre-tape to the actual live promo Fred yeah the live promo itself was good
2: probably the best thing on the show wouldn't you agree
0: one of them, I liked the the um, BCC Lucha Brothers tag, and we'll get to that after this because I think what that is is important here. Yeah. Um, but it was good, and it the one thing I really like about the story is one these guys are both so over with the crowd. Two, it's planting little seeds here and there you don't know where this is going and it's making it more engaging. Mm -hmm. You had them talk like Adam Cole, talking about the ROH world tag team champions. And then you had him talking about, Hey, let's go for these belts right before. And planting hints like, okay, why are you going to wrestle twice in one night when you don't have to? Yeah. And that sends up a lot of red flags that tells me a turn could happen on the pre-show.
2: Oh, it's and then, I mean I would bet you money that it does. I, I'm on the like ninety-eight percent certain. Then you had Roderick Strong come out
0: and talk shit and then the kingdom. Was Roddy ever in the kingdom?
2: The boy, I was not watching Ring of Honor at that time. Uh, but let me check it real so, quick. Neither was I, but I got I
0: had the this inkling that he was in the kingdom. And that's no, it why doesn't this look like he was. Um, okay
2: I guess not
0: all right so he's obviously like Adam Cole I believe he formed the kingdom back in the yeah. day yes he did. and the, the kingdom is still going on with Matt Taven and I think that's fine and I, I like how that it's kind of included here but will will it like how's this gonna matter? Is Adam going to turn and reform the kingdom like in its old glory? How how does that make a, a difference for the elite? Mm-hmm. Because obviously you have the super click. He's kind of distanced himself from the elite over the past few weeks
2: just because of obviously I mean, the elite black combat club. Adam. Cole. He was even, they haven't even like connected the two really since his return outside of like a BTE bit, I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, they did like a Halloween show and where they they all dressed up as ghostbusters. Yeah. So, I I don't know, is it And then you had at full gear, you had that uh that six-way um false count anywhere match with uh Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. That was that was a lot better live than it was mm-hmm. on TV because it was so chaotic. Yeah. And I, I thought that was really cool. Um, and Ricky Steamboat hugging Jim Ross. That, that's a cool little touch. Yeah, that was a nice little thing. Jim Ross used to call Ricky's matches and Jim Crockett back in the day. Like, cool stuff, cool stuff. Um, but I, I just wonder how this is all going to kind of link together. And Roddy makes things really interesting because, look, Roddy's never gonna be a pushed commodity and it sucks he should be a pushed commodity but unfortunately he's now about 40 mm. and I, I he I just think the time has passed but you can use him I think like as a workhorse in like a unit and in in a formation of the kingdom I think that would work out really well
2: yeah as, but, a, as a as a good goon kind of guy yes.
0: I, I, I really think so. This worked, but I think what was really intriguing to me was Adam Cole put his finger in MJF's chest and that planted even more seeds. And, and they ended up kind of after like about a minute kind of getting in a position where they were fine. But I don't I don't know where this is going, but the in-ring promo stuff when they're in-ring together has been Great. Just keep doing that. Ignore the rest.
2: Yeah. Um. I but yeah, I thought I think they've done a re- great job of setting up what could potentially be a great driver for pay per view buys uh, by having this MJF Cole tag team match on the pre show, where I presume that Adam Cole will turn on MJF and you know use this opportunity to soften him up for the world championship match later that night. Um, I think that they have to do that versus, like, teasing it and then not delivering. Uh, I think that it will be much more effective if we get Adam Cole going full heel. And, um, you know, the last few minutes of the pre-show where people are encouraged to buy it, uh, buy the pay-per-view. It consists of him just beating the hell out of MJF and going full heel. And, in turn, MJF being a full-blown babyface.
0: I really hope so. I wanna see MJF as a babyface. I don't know if you have him as a babyface champion. And I want I I would almost say take the title off of him at Yeah, I think Cole land. is
2: champion here, works well. Um I will add um well yeah, I think that's about all I gotta say on that. But I, I hope they do this right because I will I will again repeat my prediction that if they book this correctly, they could legitimately make MJF the biggest star in wrestling.
0: And you could argue he already is, but I would probably give that to Will Ospreay. You can say whatever you want about WWE and Roman Reigns. Look, its own fan base is turning on the bloodline right now. And it's, that's tough. It's, it's hard. It's especially hard with WWE to understand who's actually a star at this point because WWE sells tickets mm-hmm. because they're WWE, not because the product is great. Now, the bloodline has been moving a lot of tickets, and that's in our mm-hmm. but yes. Like, Yes. Any, are any of those guys truly a star, or is the story a star? And I think that's a fun discussion that we could have at another time, because this is an AEW podcast. Yeah. We should get to this, um Blackpool Combat Club and Lucha Brothers match because one this match was very, very good. But they botched the finish again because of production. Not only did they not get Moxley ripping off Pentagon Jr.'s mask, yeah. They the camera shot had his face exposed. Yep. Like, look, I understand this isn't a a new, like a a lucha company but come on. We are better than this.
2: Well, and and the worst part was that it was shown pretty clearly. I mean, granted, he had makeup on and everything, so it's not that devastating. Uh, But he was shown pretty clearly in the replay.
0: And you know what? Live? Okay, I can give you a little bit of a break. You show it in a replay.
2: That's ridiculous. That's bad. (laughs) Like,
0: very frustrating, but what What I'm really intrigued by is it felt like with the post-match beatdown, they were setting up for a third guy. They were setting up for somebody to come out, and to me, a seed was was planted that there's going to be somebody else. I don't know who that somebody else could be that is closely aligned with them, because obviously you have Death Triangle, Uh, but their time in Mexico, I don't really know who they're very close with. Obviously, Laredo Kid,
2: yeah, Laredo Kid is someone that they usually are affiliated with. I think, um, they could always go with Commander, who's been affiliated with them to some extent, or uh, or Vikingo. Do
0: do any of those guys make sense for what this feud is, though? That, 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 that's where I'm having the difficulty here, Fred.
2: I mean, I don't even know, I don't really know for sure if the BCC feud is Lucha Bros or if it's just them. Getting one over on them on their way to something bigger for the pay per view, uh, which I assume will—I frankly assume that'll be BCC against you know the long the rumor that's been going around for a couple weeks is you know some formulation of BCC versus Orange Cassidy and Eddie Kingston possibly with a third guy on the babyface side. We'll see if that happens. Um, No idea, (laughs) frankly, but
0: yeah, the the Eddie. Eddie Kingston one is interesting. I'm very intrigued to see how he ends up coming back, who he aligns with and how he figures it out. Cause obviously he still hates Claudio, but he, and, right. he and Mox um, have this very long, complicated history. How does that end up working? And I think progressing forward, that's going to be a really big telltale sign of how this, how this three-way feud is going to go. Best friends, I think we've gotten the most out of best friends with this feud, so like right now. Yeah. But it feels like Blackpool Combat Club is almost in a stalling point until we get Brian Danielson back. And then I think we're really going to get some fireworks.
2: Yeah. I look, I, I like best friends as workers, uh, but you know, they're obviously mid-carters, even though I think you know, Trent is one of those guys that's talented enough to be higher up the card. You know, it's that's what he is. He's a mid-carter. Um, I think that it, definitely be a disappointment if they set up this, you know, trios match with the mystery babyface partner, and that mystery partner is Trent or Chuck. It's kind of like, oh, okay. Well, that's not a special surprise at all. So, I feel like if they do go the route of it being a mystery partner, now this is like conjecture on top of conjecture, so we'll see. Uh, They have to pull someone a bigger deal than that. I'm gonna float someone, just popped in my head right now, and I do wonder... You know, it's a possibility. I reckon. I wonder if they go with Shibata. He's had issues with uh, around the pure title with Yuta. Um, You know, maybe I don't know. That's a guy that could make sense.
0: I could see it. Um, I don't know what Mark Briscoe's injury is, but that's possible. I think he's because of Claudio. I, I think so too, but. We're spitballing here. How this continues to evolve, and this is why as much as we criticize Tony Khan in his booking, you have to let things play out because he, has, he usually finds a way to make it work. And yeah. we're just going to have to believe that he can make this work.
2: Yeah, and, and their stuff works financially. It's not like he's putting out these great shows that 18 people buy. Like, you know, the pay-per-views are financial successes. Uh, I'm very interested. This is a conversation we'll definitely have more later on. Uh, I'm very curious as to how All Out works as a pay-per-view, given its proximity to All In, and the fact they aren't doing, apparently, uh, any kind of package deals. But that's a whole other conversation for another time. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about uh, uh, Worth Your Time here. Friday. Okay.
0: The Jericho Appreciation Society meeting.
2: Yeah, I was going to bring that up. We have to talk about this. Yes, we do. Um,
0: very interesting. Jericho barely said anything.
2: And yeah.
0: it kind of went around basically everybody just bearing him under the sun and calling him a selfish fuck. And I thought the best the best promos were Daniel Garcia, who basically is like, I I changed who I was for you. And then he gets in his face, does his little dance, and basically flicks him off and leaves. I thought that was tremendous. I thought it was very well executed, very well done. 2.0's promos were great. I even thought Hager's was decent. Like, look, Hager can't talk. But for what he is who he is, and the background that they have together, I thought the promo was just fine. It it got to where it needed to go. And he got a pop for the hat, which I'm a sucker for the hat.
2: Yeah. I, I was surprised that they broke Hager off. Uh, I thought that they might have kept him around as like the one true stalwart, but, you know, it makes sense within the storyline, so...
0: Yeah, what what's really intriguing is how, uh, we're going to get an answer next week for if he's going to join the Don Callis family. Is this going to set up something with Kenny Omega? Because Kenny was interviewed by Alex Marvez later on in the episode. Like, hey, are like, what are you doing for All In? He's like, I don't know. I'm having a conversation with JR about it next week. Do we get... Him and Takeshita versus Omega and Abushi, because Abushi is the only person that Omega is really aligned with in AEW canon. That's yeah. not doing anything. Well, Adam Page. Ah, oh, yes, good old Hangman. That yeah. I, I forget <laughs> about Hangman because he's barely on television anymore. He's got he's, he's got picked up that MJF up. schedule. Good for him. good for him bad for me as a viewer good for him Um, yeah with the new kid and everything i get it so yeah it's this jericho appreciation society thing is very odd as well because you have all these guys who were sports entertainers and we were supposed to hate them because they're sports entertainers but now
2: they're doing a face turn as sports entertainers and we're supposed to cheer for them I'm not sure that they're turning face or if Jericho's turning face or if they're all turning face. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Um, I I think that that aspect of it is going to be a big question mark that isn't resolved yet. It won't be for another week or two. I think, you know, maybe it'll be resolved next week when Jericho goes out and announces if he's joining the Callus family or not. Um, I don't know. Uh, That's, that's the part I think is kind of what it's, Hung up on, you know, waiting on. I guess.
0: Yeah. Very fascinating. Very fascinating. Overall, this is. I, I want to see Garcia go back to just being a wrestler because he's gotten over as a personality, and he's yeah. a technical wizard. And at Voice of Wrestling, we are doing, and I'm, I believe this project will be completed next week. A. Let's talk about. 30. Yeah, let's talk about the CSPN 30 under 30 list, which was an absolute abomination. I haven't even looked at it. Oh my god. I'm I'm pulling it up.
2: Okay, I am also pulling it up. Okay. Well, it's, okay, it's, so I, I'm gonna caveat here because there's some obvious limitations on it. First of all, they aren't gonna like dive into all of Japan or anything like that. Like Um
0: Well they dove into New Japan. They dove into like Mexico a little bit,
2: like yeah. But Dominic I mean, Mysterio have, at five. Oh my God! Oh Jesus!
0: <laughs> they have they have uh, Hayashida at fifteen. They had Julia at eleven. So I yeah. mean, they're actually using like individuals from throughout the world, but kind of. Um, Kaito Kiyomizu at twenty one. Saya Kamitani. Is a 22? Yoda Suji at 23. Um, Masha Slamovich. She's only 25, huh? Yeah. All right. That's surprising. Tyler Bate is only 26 years old. That is so gross.
2: They've talked about misuse, man. Mm
0: -hmm. Shota Umino at uh, 30. Um, The honorable mentions Atlantis Jr. Azumi... um, Chris Statlander, Ren Narita, Miu Yamashita, uh, like Starlight Kid, Shun Skywalker, like they, they actually they
2: yeah they, they did better than try. I thought. Now the top ten is all America based guys, including the Kingo because you know he's you know why he's up there, and it's not because of AAA. Mm-hmm. All
0: right, so uh, let's go through this top ten, and we're. We're going to absolutely obliterate the top ten. I, I will give my top ten because I have already submitted my picks for this. I am still working uh, on mine. So. so, one is MJF. Two is Rhea Ripley. I don't really have an issue with those. I had Ripley lower on my list. Um, three, this is where it gets bad. Austin Theory. <laughs>
2: No, yeah, he's not really. Uh, I, I he's going to be like I, I'm leaning too far back on the mic. I apologize. Uh, he's going to be this generation's Mark Jindrak. That's just my vibe on him.
0: Oh, god, Mark Jindrak, best dropkick in the history of pro wrestling.
2: Without that, without the dropkick,
0: <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. five Dominic Mysterio. I mean, I don't know that I really need to say much. They had Vakingo Four just to, yes, Vakingo
0: Four which is fine. Six Braun breaker. I didn't include him in my top 30, but I get it. He's the son of Rick Steiner and he's barely wrestled. Like he's what wrestled like 30 matches in his career.
2: Something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I I can understand that seven Carmelo Hayes. He's not even the best wrestler in the act.
2: That's trick Williams.
0: Um, Eight Kanosuke Takeshita, sure. Nine, I can't believe she's this young, at twenty nine years old. Liv Morgan, one, no, absolutely <laughs> not. She should not be in the spot. And Liv Morgan is a passable to good pro wrestler at times. She's not a future megastar. She's not. She doesn't have the super high potential. But two, she's only twenty nine. Man, mm-hmm. WWE got her when she was like twenty one. Then.
2: 20, according to the article.
0: Oh, I see, here's the thing I'm not reading. Uh, <laughs> 10, I, I had him lower, but I don't disagree. Logan Paul.
2: That's yeah, fine. I think he's actually a viable guy. Um, I, I think that there's a couple questions with him that are unique to him and that is he going to stick with wrestling and uh, just how much is he going to do with it, but... You know, he's, he's, I can't complain about him. He's, you know, he's for what he is, which is, you know, for all this talk about how WWE is the company that does properly structured matches and everything and doesn't do just high spots. He is a nothing but high spots worker. You know, let's not get twisted, but he's good at the style match. So.
0: Mm -hmm. All right, Fred, are you ready for my top 10?
2: Hell yeah. Lay it on me.
0: All right. So I did, I did, I did my top 30, um, Number one, MJF. Chalk. Like, that's obvious.
2: Yeah, that's... I think you have to put MJF first, honestly. uh, For a viable list. Two, Vikingo. Okay. All right.
0: Three, Takeshita. Okay. Four, Julia. All right. Five, Shota Umino. That one might be a little bit of a surprise. Interesting.
2: I'm, Interesting.
0: I'm very bullish on Umino. And I'm at a point where I'm not blaming his split gimmick on him. I'm blaming that on New Japan, not wanting to go full blown Tanahashi with him because it's not fair. And I think the Moxley thing is actually helping him. Like it's he's doing like two like two bits at once, but I think it's working. Um, and this G one, he was tremendous. So like, that's, that's kind of where I'm at there. Uh, six, Daniel Garcia. Pretty chalk. Uh, yeah, that's, Garcia that's a good was one. like 29th on this list, which is an abomination. Yeah. Seven, um, this is all pro wrestling Noah's fault, but I still think he's got great potential. Kaito Kiyomiya. Noah yeah, has treated this guy like he's worse than garbage. And. <laughs> He's great.
2: To to not even like secure him a spot in the G one final uh playoffs or whatever you want to call them quarterfinals, uh despite seeing him over is that's important. Truly really terrible.
0: Yeah. I will say I thought New Japan booked him very well in this G one. Yeah. He drew against Umino, he drew against Suji, his wins were I think it was both Hikuleo and Chase Owens, but he lost in Narita. He lost to Sonata, but he lost to Sonata with two seconds left. Yeah. Like, to me, I think that's something that's getting glossed over. He lost like two seconds. And then he – no, did he lose to Gabe kid?
2: I can't recall now. I think he did lose to Gabe kid. I think he did, yeah. But no, 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 no. That was a, that was a double count out.
0: Oh, yeah, it was a double count. Yeah,
2: they brought into the crowd and everything.
0: Yeah, like I, I, I think objectively he was booked fine for an outsider. Mm-hmm. Like, should he have been booked better? Absolutely. But New Japan booking him like that, they still booked him relatively strong. He looked good in his yeah. losses. He tied against the two guys that you're going to push to the moon. They are basically telling you he's on their level. Yeah. They said he was on Sonata's level. They did. And no, they, they, not, they booked we him well. Two seconds left.
2: It, the, the the failure is like Noah not even caring enough to like negotiate for him to be in the playoffs. And they could try to spin it or whatever. You know, uh, for, uh, further discussion of, of Noah. Did you see the screenshot they did when they uh, announced that uh, Yuma Anzai is, uh, is in the N1? Oh, yeah. Like, the thumbnail they used. In case you didn't see it at home, uh, the little video... They, they did little videos hyping each guy in the tournament, which, uh, yeah, cool, good. You know, you should do that. That makes sense. Uh, especially when you're not that big in England and... Uh, or, I'm sorry, the English-speaking world. Um, and, uh, you know, you need to put your guys over. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. No complaints. Their Yuma Anzai video, which, again, as a reminder... Is a an all Japan guy. That video just said the future of wrestling. He is the hope. I'm sorry, even even better. He is the hope of Japan.
0: Just incredible.
2: Yeah, that's that's rough, man. That's not great.
0: No, it is not great. But let's continue my top ten because yeah. I have I have given you my top seven, eight. Dragon Lee, I can't believe that dude's not thirty.
2: Yeah, that's he's 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 one of those guys that you're. It's like with Bandito, where you can't believe he's not thirty yet either.
0: Yeah, and excuse me. All right, number nine, Tony Storm, who I believe is the best women's wrestler in America today, but one spot behind her. Is Rhea
2: Ripley? I was wrong. I did have her top ten. That's fair. Do I not? And, have... I need to make sure I add Rhea Ripley to my list. I'm still working on it. So, like, I okay. did have. Um, That's not a and, snub. That's just not me being fully done.
0: If you've never had, if you've never seen her, Hiya Shishida. Um, she had that.
2: Utami Hiya uh,
0: Yeah, that five star match in 2021 against Shuri back in June. I think it was the date of that match. Um, she's ele- at eleven, tremendous yeah. pro wrestler. She rolls. Um, yeah, this is. It's a very fun list, and it's going to have a lot of different people on it, for like across the board with the OW. Oh, yeah. And I, I can guarantee you one thing: there will be no mention of Dominic Mysterio.
2: <laughs> I do wonder if someone's going to name him. Just, just. I don't know, as a meme or what. There's the possibility, but I, you know, I wouldn't completely rule it out. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to give you a name that's still eligible for this list, which will make you think. Okay. Riho.
0: Yeah, she's been wrestling since she was what twelve.
2: Yeah, it, it's crazy. She's still eligible for this. Yeah, that That's about all I got. Right. Yeah. Ah. Uh, Segwaying out of this, there is one more thing I want to talk about on Dynamite. Okay, And it's that main event match we had last night. And uh, I think this was supposed to be kind of a big statement match for Anna Jay. And uh, this was not it. Um, She's, you know, a hit or miss worker. And on this night, she missed a lot. Um, Add on to that, that she... Blew a couple spots. She generally looked like she was moving through like uh, jello to work this match, Mm -hmm. and then the end where she gets pinned near the ropes, but Angelo Parker reaches into Anajay's hand, but nothing happens. Was really odd, and uh, I don't know what that was about. But I I thought this was super underwhelming because she is a good worker. Uh, I went two stars flat on this. Like it wasn't an utter disaster or anything, but it was not good. Uh, and I thought it was a kind of it was a super flat finish to what well, you know, to an episode of Dynamite that could've used a boost there.
0: Yeah. I I, I I like the idea of giving people title matches and like and just having extra title matches on TV sometimes. But <laughs> yeah. Look, Anna Jay's not ready for this. We've known she hasn't been ready for this for a couple years. Just, man, no.
2: Yeah, this wasn't it. Um, uh, just a really rough performance from her. And uh, it's kind of, it's disappointing because she, you know, you think that she should be talent, you know, talented enough to do more. Uh, but this is what we got. So what can you do? nothing sometimes it'd be like
0: that sometimes it'd be like that and Fred that is our show
2: we yeah are... that's it for the wrestling do you want to do a quiz before we go I got a little football quiz to warm you up since uh it's coming all right let's do it let's see uh what your memory is of 15 year old football because I want you to name the quarterbacks that Darrell Revis intercepted I got this pulled up on the Sporkle. He picked off at least one guy every year from 2007 through 2016. Um, You have four minutes. I'll let you go wild for a little bit, and then if you start needing hints, I can give you the year and the team the quarterback played for. Okay. You you with me? Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, Ready, set, go. Well, let's start here. Tom Brady. That was three. One.
0: Matt Castle.
2: That was two, so five now. Um started for
0: the Bills around then. Man, I, I don't know who who the Bills quarterback was at that
2: time. Uh Ryan Tannehill. Uh got him three times later on, yeah. Eight of twenty eight. Ben Roethlisberger? Can I spell Roethlisberger? It doesn't look like it can. Or maybe he didn't get him. R-O-E. Yeah, I got it. Uh, no, he did not pick off Roethlisberger. Joe Flacco? Uh, no. Andy Dalton? No. You want me to start giving you hints?
0: Yeah, Probably.
2: All right, 2007, uh, Buffalo Bills and Miami Dolphins.
0: 07 Dolphins. Jeez. Dante Culpepper?
2: Nope. Cleo Lemon? That's a blast from the past, but no. Um, Who would have been the Dolphins starter in 07.
0: You know, I used to be phenomenal at this, but yeah. like with the Immaculate Card, my brain is just not quite there anymore. Um, 07, Bills.
2: You want me J. to give Lossman. you some? Uh Lotman. Lossman. Lossman, that's right. Sorry, I remember that guy now. Uh, that 2008, you got one of them. So that's nine now. Here's uh, some more clues. Uh, 2008, there was a different Bills quarterback than Lossman. There was also a Dolphins and a Cardinals QB.
0: Carson Palmer.
2: Uh, that's two. Did not get the Cardinals one, though, from 08. Kurt Warner. There you go. Twice, actually, on Kurt Warner, interestingly enough. Who is the other 08? Uh, Dolphins and Bills. non Losemans category.
0: Chad Pennington.
2: Uh, yes, for the Dolphins
0: man bills quarterback in that time frame i'm blanking I'm all right
2: go, we'll go on to 09 you had the raiders panthers bills and bucks in 09 raiders 09 jamarcus russell there you go one minute left still have the panthers bills and bucks from that year
0: Bucks, two thousand nine. I don't know. Panthers.
2: Jake Delhomme. There you go. Twice actually. Okay. Uh, two thousand ten Chargers, as well as two thousand eleven. Uh, Chargers is Philip Rivers. There you go. Uh, two thousand twelve Bills, two thousand eleven Cowboys and Dolphins. Two
0: thousand eleven. Uh, Dolphins is probably Ryan Tannehill again.
2: Nope, that one doesn't go.
0: Okay, Uh, 2011 Cowboys is Tony
2: Romo. Yep, Uh, 2015 Colts. Andrew Luck. Yep, Uh, 2015 uh, Washington football team. Got five seconds. Kirk Cousins. There you go, and 2016 Bills time is up. Uh, you got the big names. You got 20 out of 28, which is above average at 71%. You missed Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitz, uh, Fitzpatrick twice.
0: That's uh, the Bills quarterback. Fudge.
2: Also, for the Bills, the immortal Trent Edwards.
0: Ah.
2: This is some guy remembering right here. Uh, I think the most obscure one is for the 07 Dolphins, John Beck.
0: Ah BYU which legend John Beck.
2: I do not believe is a real person. Uh 09 Buccaneers was Josh Freeman.
0: Yep.
2: Uh, 2011 Dolphins was Matt Moore. You got Fitzpatrick again for the 12 Bills and then for the 2016 Buffalo Bills which I barely got out was Cardale Tyron Jones. Taylor? Oh, no, Cardale Jones. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Good job. That was some I, tough ones. I'm-
0: Pretty happy with 20. Yeah, that's that's
2: reasonable. I think that's perfectly uh, acceptable. Yeah. There okay. we go. That's the show.
0: That's the show. You can follow me on Twitter at 304. you can follow my Vikings work at USA Days Vikings Wire, along with Vikings First in School, where we have our own podcast feed and YouTube channel. You can follow Fred on the Blue Sky. I am on there as well. And you can subscribe to his Patreon, which is paused currently, but we'll be coming back with a lot more interesting elements of uh, analytical views on wrestling and you can also subscribe to our own podcast feed which is now also available on the YouTube so make sure you do all that help us grow help us continue to be the number one pro wrestling podcast in the country of Turkey and we will be back next week to continue the build for all in and hopefully, Um, despite all our rage we still get big bill and brian cage have a
2: great day take care everyone have a good one hello everyone my
1: name is taylor and i'm kelly and we are the co-hosts of jumping bomb audio the number one show all about the world of joshi
2: pro wrestling episodes drop every other monday where we discuss the biggest
1: joshi news review shows and preview the hottest upcoming joshi action
0: So whether you're a new fan or an old fan, we've got something here for you at Jumping Bomb Audio.
2: Check us out on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.